The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, episode 48. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a dead. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Hey everybody, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter, a.k.a. Father Fett, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we, of course, talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. And so today we're discussing Season 2 of Star Wars Rebels, Episodes 21 and 22, the Season 2 finale, Twilight of the Apprentice. And joining me on the panel today are, first up, we have Andrew Hermes. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Father. How's it going? Going pretty well. Second up, we have Angela Cialana. Hey, Angela. Hey, great to be back. It's yeah, for for us both, it's good to be back. Um, and uh, this is the the crew that we have tonight. Mike Creevy might make a surprise pop in appearance, so stay tuned for that. But uh, we're not counting on him because he just he has a couple of young kids, uh, and Thomas is of course out because he just had uh, a brand new baby as well. So, uh, which is which is really awesome. But we're sad that they aren't aren't able to talk about this awesome finale of season two with us, but uh, we'll forge on uh, without them. So before we jump into those episodes, uh, first of all, we have a little bit of listener feedback that we get to talk about. So this is kind of exciting. In fact, it's um, I would classify it as fan mail, which was super exciting, Um, quite literally on the on the the the, the USPS, post. you know, thing, it's it's labeled to it's shipped to Father Fett, which was sort of legitimized nice. my entire my entire persona, which was great. So um, <laughs> I have a I have a letter here that I'm going to read um, and then uh, a gift that I have to show off to my to my co-hosts. And uh, unfortunately, uh, for those of you who can't see, you just got to imagine it. So uh, the letter goes as follows. Uh, Dear Secrets of Star Wars, my name is Ezra. And I live in California. I am 11 years old. My dad told me about your podcast when the new Clone Wars episodes were streaming on Disney+. Plus. I love your podcast. Keep doing them. Ezra. P.S. I 3D printed a couple of figurines for you guys. I hope you like them. Oh, wow. Cool. So check these out. Oh wow. my gosh. So the first one that I'm showing off is a 3D so cool. print of Baby Yoda. Um, <laughs> wow. Along the bottom of it, uh, it says, What you seek is seeking you. And Baby Yoda's got his like little his arm out, like he's using the force to to stop the flames from engulfing the the cantina back on Navarro. And uh so it's it's very clearly it was printed looks like in like black plastic and 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 Ezra must have painted it for me. Uh so it really 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 cool. And of course awesome. uh baby Yoda would not be complete without wow. Yes. Mando wow. himself nice. Din Djarin. So again a, a 3D print that's been uh painted. So 
Very, very cool. Uh, thank you so much, Ezra, for both of these. They are going to be um, <laughs> the mascots of the show, more or less. So, yes. so thank you uh, for them. And uh, watch the mail because I'm going to be sending you um, a couple of Father Fett stickers and a, and a wonderful note back. So uh, watch for that. But thank you so much for uh, for the 3D prints and uh, for the letter. So uh, we greatly, greatly appreciate it. For sure, so and cool. you have an awesome name too. Yeah, such a Star Wars name, yeah, right? I I, I figure uh, Ezra Bridger must be named after you, so yeah. uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we gotta we should put those on uh, social media, like on the Ooh, SPPN, totally. Instagram or something. Yeah. I will I will get some pictures sent off to Dom for that, and yeah, he'll yeah. Then we can share it with with the listeners. Absolutely. Um, so speaking of the Mandalorian, uh, the little bit of news bits that I have relate to that. And I'm super excited because Star Wars announced that they are doing a Mandalorian publishing program. Uh, I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at that, but a number of novels and comics relating to the Mandalorian are going to be debuting. I, I I can't remember if it was later this fall or if it's, if it's pushed into next, next year, I I can't remember, but they're going to have a art of the Mandalorian season one book. They're going to have a Del Rey, uh, full uh, original novel. They're going to have an ultimate visual guide, uh, allies and enemies books, an eight by eight storybook, a, uh, junior novelization and comics, of course. So, I'm super excited about that. I think I'm most excited about the novel, but um, are you guys interested in, in those titles that are coming out? Oh yeah, definitely the comics for sure. Yeah. I can't wait to, and, and yeah, and the art book as well. Mm, yeah, the, yeah. Those are always good to have some nice coffee table books, you know, to, to pop open. So I'm definitely pumped for that. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. And we get uh, all these characters that, you know, we've, just now grown to love and we get to see more about them and their environments and their costumes, hopefully, and all that good, good mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, a, even, I mean, even with everything kind of being delayed or shut down, there's, they still got a lot of stuff coming out. So, uh, still, a still a great time to be a, a star Wars fan with lots more on the horizon. So let's jump into twilight of the, of the apprentice because these two episodes um, are just kind of chocked full of all sorts of stuff. So uh, of course I throw it out to you guys first. What was, I, I sort of, I think I have to preface this. What, what is, <laughs> what were your initial impressions of the episode? If you remember it, because these were, these debuted, you know, uh, years ago, but or in general, what are your impressions of, of these two episodes? Um, they're freaking awesome. I mean, it was, uh, you know, the, uh, the long awaited, you know, encounter obviously between Ahsoka and, and Darth Vader, um, you know, something that we were hoping for, uh, and looking, you know, looking towards and, and especially, you know, since you asked about the initial reaction, obviously they were great. I think at the time when I was watching Rebels, I was like, these, these were probably the two best Rebels episodes at the time. Um, to that point and then watching them now in this context after going through clone wars again um and uh and and watching it through that lens it's like much more of an emotional impact you know as we're as we're finding with almost all these episodes right so mm-hmm. um it's it's it just adds to it especially with with the two characters you know in question um and it's uh it's it's like the biggest maturation point or evolution of um you know Ezra's character and uh 
and you know we get Maul back too, so that was a yeah. big deal, obviously. So uh, Maul, uh, Maul um, you know, uh, playing his games and uh, b- back to his, you know, not really old ways, but this new Maul that's kind of playing both sides, right? So it's it's our our first kind of real introduction to that. So that was that was huge, and, and it was great getting him back. And uh, and yeah, those, these episodes still, uh, you know, they they stand they stand the test the test of time for me and uh you know they're they, they even like i said hold more value now after going through clone wars again so yeah mm-hmm. i was i was excited to watch these again awesome yeah and for me um you know all the reasons that you said andrew but this was this arc where these two episodes were such a swerve for the character development for the plot. Um, and I just remember feeling totally shook, you know, like at the end of part two, because of just so much change and also just seeing a Sith temple. I mean, that was one of the coolest things ever. I don't know why. (laughs) Um, I guess just because, I mean, we had seen Jedi Temple before, but uh, Sith Temple, there was so much mystery to it. And, yeah. you know, um, the Sith, as as far as like the ancient stories of the Sith, there really hadn't been that much canon about that, you know, in the new canon um, or the rebooted canon. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that we'll get into, you know, in our discussion that I just totally loved. And I ever since... The the debut of these episodes, I've watched probably I've watched these episodes 20 times. Yeah, mm. that's awesome. Yeah, I think for me, uh, epic is kind of the, the word that I chose to describe it. But f- ironically, I found it more epic watching it yesterday again, rather than when I first watched it. And And the reason for that is. I hadn't gotten into the Clone Wars until after I'd watched pretty much all of Rebels. So the emotional connection to Ahsoka was pretty low when I first watched it. So like I was rooting for her, but it wasn't it wasn't quite the same stakes in my in my heart. And so watching it this time, it was like, yeah, I, I have a much greater uh, depth of of relation to Ahsoka and that relationship between her and Anakin. So that was just amplified for me. And then there was just so much with, um, I mean, the, the, of course the, the lightsaber that, that Ezra finds that, that of course, uh, matches Kylo Ren. So there, there were, they were already making connections to the sequel trilogy, but then even after seeing the rise of Skywalker and Exegol to have that same visual of, of this Sith temple and the dark world and, and the parallels there was, was also really impactful and and exciting for me to, to delve back into it. So, um, yeah, I think, I think this was a really great one to go back to, uh, for sure. And, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's kind of jump into, to the recap because there's a, there's a lot going on. And, uh, so the, the, the finale of season two starts off immediately with Ezra Kanan and Ahsoka heading to Malachor because, uh, as the, we had reviewed in, in our previous episode, uh, Yoda had told Ezra to go there, um, as a, as a way to find knowledge on how to defeat the Inquisitors. And so we have this real touching moment between Ahsoka and Rex as as Rex is on a hologram and sort of lamenting uh, that he's not with Ahsoka and he's concerned about her. And we have this this very 
key dialogue between the two of them where they where they talk about um you know uh he rex says that he could have ordered ahsoka to take take uh take him with her and she says he doesn't outrank her and rex says that experience outranks everything and then Ahsoka replies with, then I definitely outrank you. <laughs> and uh, for for those of you who may not remember, that is almost a direct parallel to the moment that Rex and Ahsoka first met back in the Clone Wars movie. And the dialogue is, is very similar, except for the fact that um, Rex says the same thing. Experience outranks um, everything. And Ahsoka more or less says something to the effect of, well, then I need to gain a bunch of experience. And that's kind of their initial meeting. So it was this sort of foreshadowing completion of the circle. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and sort of there, there's almost like a foreboding, like Rex says, may the force be with you. And, and you almost sense that something bad is probably going to happen. Well, and isn't this whole um, arc about having experience, too? I mean, mm-hmm. the experience of life and the fact that Ezra doesn't have much of that and sort of <laughs> <laughs> enables him to do certain things in the, in these couple episodes. So I mm-hmm. think that's pretty cool, too. Yeah. And, and I want to touch on it later, too, but I'll mention it briefly here. But even uh, Kanan's experience and his, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, he was knighted a Jedi Knight and uh but even his maturity where at one point, again, I'm jumping ahead, but in, in the second episode, he finally relents and trusts Ezra to go with Maul. And that's probably not something he would have done, you know, in season one. And so even his own maturity and, of course, Ahsoka and has grown tremendously uh, since since the Clone Wars as well. So there's yeah, there, there's a lot of those themes running through it. So then they're they're still on the ship and they're approaching Malachor and Ezra wants to know why uh, Malachor was was off limits and uh, Ahsoka says the wonderful line of there's always a bit of truth in legends and there were all these legends of of Malachor and and uh, you know heavy with the dark side and uh, and of course they're going there because they assume that there's something on Malachor to to help them and I do want to point out that. Uh, in the legends universe uh the, and and I, I suspect thomas would would know this as well but did you, any of you ever play the knights of the old republic video games yeah no yeah, yeah. the very i played the the very first the one first on the one? original xbox yeah um so this is gonna sort of relate in knights of the old republic 2 malachor shows up and it shows up mm. as this this world that was devastated uh, during the Mandalorian Wars, again, all in legends. But it was a world that was cracked and twisted, and it was a wasteland covered with jagged cliffs and uh, constant lightning storms, and it was just imbued with the dark side. So it's really interesting that Malachor, it's the same exact name, um, you know, this was one of the things that they were able to kind of tweak and pull into canon, and it's still a, a place of of the dark side and there's a Sith temple, but it's not quite the same as the, the Malachor that you see in, in Knights of the Old Republic. But it's, it's just kind of funny that that's when Ahsoka says, you know, there's always a little bit of truth in legends and almost mm-hmm. a, like a, like a, a wink, wink, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. for you legends fans out there. So, so, so that, that's a, that's a, a, a cool connection. Um, they, they do arrive on, on the planet and uh, chopper, detects another ship and tries to track it 
they sat down and they see these foreboding stone pillars with uh they're writing with the old tongue on the pillars that Ahsoka can can make out um just a few words on um I was trying to rack my brains and I didn't know what she quite meant by the old tongue I was I didn't know if she meant the Sith like the ancient Sith language but Ahsoka knew a few words but it wasn't really clear um I don't know why the Jedi would have trained her to That's, speak the old yeah. tongue of the Sith. So right. it may have just been a common old tongue that was used a long time ago. I don't know. Either way, it was really imbued with the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> so um, That's for sure. Regard- yeah, like I re- yeah. Oh, I was just going to say the seeing the landscape again, um, even those pillars, those type of structures were also in rise of skywalker right um yeah it looks very familiar from rise of skywalker absolutely yeah Yeah. so it just took me back to seeing i i just remember like because i had seen these episodes of rebels (laughs) that rise of skywalker starts and i'm just like oh my gosh i'm like freaking out in my seat (laughs) and everyone around me is like just fine you know and i'm just like it's a Sith temple it's so amazing (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and I and I love the the visuals that they do because with with Exegol and with Malachor the Sith Temple is not on the surface but you have to like break through the crust and go down into the darkness. Whereas yeah, the, the, it's the, almost like the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Um yeah, and then but con conversely the, the Jedi Temple like on Lothal rises out of the ground and and it extends upward. So you have this visual uh, separation between the two, the light and the dark, the up and the down. Um, because really on the surface, Malachor just looks like there's just these random pillars and, and you know, in mm-hmm. a crater and, and that's kind of all you see. Uh, but we, we very quickly find out that that's the, there's, yeah, there's the whole iceberg under the surface because Ezra is drawn to this pillar and has to touch it. Of course. Why not? Um, and it, it lights up red and they, they fall through the, the, the crust of this crater. And that's when they have this impressive view of, of the Sith temple, this ominous red light. And <laughs> dare I say beautiful? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it yeah. Is. Yeah. Let's be real. Yep. Um, so, uh, they, they fall down and, uh, and Chopper, of course, warns them too late that they might break through the surface. But that's that's Chopper for you. <laughs> and they they as they're down there, they encounter this this battleground. And that's where Ezra finds that that green lightsaber that that very much looks like Kylo Ren's. It's a it's a cross guard lightsaber. It's a relic of of eons past. Um, and in fact, you know, the 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 Wikipedia article connects it directly to the to the great scourge of Malachor, which this the result that they see the battle that they see in front of them has to be you know the the end result of of the scourge of Malachor, where the mm-hmm. there was a, a jedi knight who attacked the temple um and ultimately ahsoka concludes that absolutely nobody won that that particular battle so because of the way that the I guess, I don't know, mummies or whatever, like are positioned, like they're in battle. 
almost like they were just frozen mm-hmm. in time, sort of reminded me of like Pompeii or something. Yeah. Like, be, especially because of, you know, the shape of the temple being sort of like a Volcanic. cone or yeah like yep. a volcano and then that kind of brings you back to like lord of the rings and <laughs> you know mm-hmm. sauron and all kinds of stuff so i think that's all sort of tied in because i know dave filoni is informed by lord of the rings and tolkien kind mm-hmm. of as well for for that so um yeah i just i thought that was interesting you know there's a lot of um ancient civilizations that sort of have ties to you know something like that you know almost even the forbidden city am i getting that right like the chinese um army the terracotta soldiers that are kind of like underground or whatever or hit or um sort of to i think protect the emperor's grave is that what it is i don't know i'm a little bit ignorant on that maybe somebody can fill us in but it reminded me of that too yeah that sounds right yeah, my my suspicion, at least with with this uh, with the, the the battle there, is I wondered if uh, the spoiler alert the battle station that is the temple was the the event that caused the death and destruction mm-hmm. because they were just yeah the, the 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 frozen people were sort of just mid battle when when they find them. Um, it would sort of make sense that that's exactly how they 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 all died but that's that's not really ever ever explained so just adds a little bit of of mystery to to the whole and ominous nature of of the world um so after they they find this and they they uh see the lightsaber uh we we get to meet a new inquisitor the eighth brother um probably the least experienced out of the inquisitors but he shows up and attacks him and um of course Ezra falls through another surface and down below and he's unable to follow so Ahsoka and Kanan uh give chase to the eighth brother and <laughs> the eighth brother uses his spinning double-bladed lightsaber as a helicopter of sorts and flies <laughs> away I know uh, some people hated that but <laughs> I didn't I didn't mind it too much I thought it was kind of like well you know the the inquisitors are sort of pawns in this whole game and it's sort of like a machine you know with mm-hmm. the empire and everything so i kind of took it that way yeah i i remember i remember only hating it because i'm like why don't like other jedi like use this trick you know like why <laughs> how come it's always like these cool like characters like the inquisitors that like they're the only ones that like use these sort of special like dark side or you know powers and you know something that jedi could totally do you know do because it looks like they just have their lightsabers fashioned that way Mm -hmm. so why can't why can't other jedi do it and and be cool like that like they always have to it always seems like you know they're they're always like jumping and almost falling even when they force jump or you know whenever they fall through a hole which they seem to do all the time why can't they just have like these cool lightsabers where they can just save themselves that's the only reason why i I hated them i guess it's kind of weird because uh lightsabers are a piece of technology in of themselves but i kind of think that it has to do with the technology piece that like the the dark side is sort of more um artificial and not natural you know whereas the jedi and the light side is supposed to be more like natural and just yeah, um 
I don't know what exactly is the word that I'm organic looking for, but you kind of, yeah, yeah, you get the idea. So yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's why. I don't know. I mean, I feel like Jedi could, they could be techie every now and again. They could you know, get <laughs> it, a cool. It definitely <laughs> wouldn't, like that. <laughs> it wouldn't go against, you know, the, the Jedi code because it's just, they'd be using the, the lightsabers as a tool, not, not as like a, right. a means to destroy or something. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, it it would have, <laughs> yeah. Saved all sorts of problems. Uh, but <laughs> I was I was ultimately perfectly fine with it because I I very much look at Star Wars as um, I would sort of call it science fantasy, not science fiction, um, like yeah. where Star Trek yeah. is more along the lines of like, let's try to see what, you know, the limits of actual technology in the future. And Star Wars is very much more whimsical and magical. And so, yeah, so that part of me is like, ah, yeah, they can fly. Of course they can. That's that's fine. <laughs> um. So they they fly away and and uh, Kanan and Ahsoka give chase, and uh, Ezra encounters an old man, and of course we had been expecting this encounter for for years by this point. Um, did you guys notice? I I had to have I had to read a commentator point this out, but uh, Ezra encounters of course this old man and he's Darth Maul, um, but immediately. There is you you see a parallel between Maul's dialogue with Ezra and Yoda's dialogue with Luke Skywalker in The Empire Strikes mm-hmm. Back. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I noticed that right Good away. Time. So like you know, uh, Ezra points his lightsaber at Maul, and Maul says, "You know, please put away your weapon. I mean you no harm." Yoda says roughly the same thing to Luke: "Away with your weapon. I mean you no harm." And you know, they both ask the question, "Why are you here?" and Ezra, of course, is seeking knowledge, and and Luke is seeking Yoda, and and I thought that that was a a very fitting parallel because the whole the whole arc of these two episodes is Maul trying to get Ezra to be his apprentice, and mm-hmm. Yoda, of course, takes Luke on as his apprentice. So there there's there's clearly this this parallel between the two, uh, which I thought was a really cool thing to. Um, for me to have pointed out to me because I wasn't I wasn't picking up on it. But uh, so we we encounter Maul and apparently he's been living there for years alone and his ship crashed. And um, I, I just mentally I was trying to put this in the time frame. So this would have been at some point after his time in charge of the crime syndicates that we see in Solo. So at some point he Yeah, I mean he's a little wrinkly at this point. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um so yeah, so he uh he offers to help Ezra get back to his friends and we see that that Ezra is very skeptical of him at first, but when he offers to 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 get him uh get him the knowledge that he seeks, that's when Ezra is is willing to to go to Maul. And Maul kind of, he learns Ezra's pain point mm-hmm. during this conversation, mm-hmm. which is very foolish of Ezra to just, um, just to expose that. Yep. You know, um, he it clearly shows that he's immature and he'll just share with anybody. He'll, he'll just immediately, you know, tell somebody what is, yeah, like he, he just be vulnerable with them and... Of course, Maul uses that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just like any dark side user. I think that if there's anything you can count on is you can count on Maul to me to be manipulative. Yes. However um, it suits him best, whether it's towards Ezra or towards Kanan and Soka, um, whoever. 
Um, just to point out at this point, there was a real cool uh, visual cue too that when Ezra fell through that that again through that hole, he was bathed in a in a ray of light. And when he decides to go actually engage Maul in dialogue, he has to step out of the light into the darkness to go talk to him. So mm-hmm. real cool visual stuff going on there. Because, yeah, Maul is at that point exactly working his his manipulative, uh, you know, attitude on on Ezra and promising him to to help him gain that knowledge that that Ezra is looking for. Maul knows the secret way to get inside the temple, but he's too old to open the door. Um, and Ezra is still sp- suspicious, but um, as an attempt to get to know each other, they exchange their names, which I thought was really funny. And Maul says, you know, call me old master. And Ezra says, call me Jabba. And my brain immediately went to, um, I think it was uh, Civil War, uh, Captain America Civil War, where <laughs> where Spider-Man meets uh, Captain, I think he's Captain America. I forget who he meets, yeah. but he's like, yeah, it was Captain America, oh, yeah. we're using our made up names now. I'm Spider-Man, <laughs> you know, and it's like, because obviously oh, yeah, that was uh, Ant-Man. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was Ant Man. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, but still, like <laughs> Ezra, Ezra needed to be a little bit more creative. Jabba, <laughs> of course, he didn't know Maul, but Maul would have obviously known who Jabba was. Yeah. But, but I thought that was funny. Um. So Ezra follows Maul towards the temple, and Kanan and Ahsoka continue to to chase the Inquisitor. And Kanan makes the very fun point that he's never had an Inquisitor run from him before. Uh, and so they, they were able to deduce that they were not the ones that he was hunting, but um, that they sort of came as a surprise and they have no idea who he, he is actually hunting. Um, and Maul and Ezra continue to, to head to, towards the temple. And uh, we, we get a little bit more, more dialogue there as well that uh, Maul tells... Ezra, that the Inquisitors are his enemy as well. And so Ezra immediately assumes that Maul was a Jedi then and asks him about that. And Maul tells him no, but that he was a Force wielder. And Ezra, again, in his kind of naivete, assumes that he was a Sith. And there we, we, Maul actually is is speaking uh, a little bit of truth there because he he is revealing his own motives for what he's doing because he, he tells Ezra that the Sith took everything from him. They ripped him from his mother's arms. They murdered his brother. They used me as a weapon. And then they cast me aside. Um, which I thought was a very fitting tie to um, what, we, what we saw happen in the Siege of, Siege of Mandalore in the Clone Wars. Uh, we have that same sort of dialogue where, where uh, Maul recognizes that he was just cast aside. And that's why he was trying to, um, trying to get Anakin to to come to man to Mandalore and and kill him, uh, which didn't didn't happen. Um, but at the same time, he's being truthful. He's also being manipulative because that's exactly then how Ezra can relate to him. Because Ezra says the Empire took his home and his parents away, and Maul immediately asks him if he wants revenge, and Ezra responds with that he wants justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and Maul, rather than push him on that, completely accepts it, but again is sort of trying to to twist it into the anger filled uh revenge that that ultimately would lead him down that that dark path and uh 
we jump then to to Chopper, who this was a really great moment for Chopper. Um, almost made me want to like stand up and applaud. But Chopper uh, finds uh, the Inquisitor's Tie Fighter, and he hops into the cockpit of this Tie Fighter and controls it and manages to shoot at the Inquisitor, who's approaching. And Kanan and and Ahsoka are approaching behind, and Chopper's the one who knocks knocks out the Inquisitor, mm-hmm. which is really which is really cool. Good for him. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I also, but I but I think that also just uh, reveals the inexperience of the eighth brother. Mm-hmm. I think right. I think he's kind of new to the scene, but he's the eighth brother. Right. Ain't the, yeah. It's not the first or the second brother. <laughs> right. In fact, I don't, yeah. yeah. We encounter the, the, the fifth brother and the seventh sister, but yeah. Um, but it allows Kanan and Ezra to, to capture him and, and try, to, try to question him. And meanwhile, Maul and Ezra uh, get to the temple. And this was a really interesting uh, interplay here because the, the rule of two of, of the Sith really comes into play. Uh, both at the entrance of the temple, but also kind of throughout these episodes, which I thought was a really cool thing for them to bring in because this is a Sith temple. But in order to get into this temple, they have to lift these stone blocks uh, blocking the entrance, but um, they're heavy enough that only one person can lift one, one stone at a time. So it takes two people to kind of lift one and then the other lift the next block and they can kind of, migrate in going under these these stone blocks but you have to use your passion you have to use your anger in order to lift these stones which maul is able to convince ezra to do yeah and i totally was thinking um what would father fett say because (laughs) you know it's this conversation of to defeat the dark side you have to know the dark side um, but you know, the dark side goes a step further and says, you have to use the dark side, Yep. you know? So, um, I was just thinking about, you know, what are the <laughs> theological implications of that? <laughs> um, definitely, uh, <laughs> long story short, it's definitely immoral. <laughs> I mean, basically the ends don't justify the means. So Ezra mm-hmm. is seeking knowledge and, um, and and I mean he's he's using he's using the dark side in order to to get to that end, um, you know. But but doing doing something wrong, even if you have a good intention, is always wrong. Um, period. Uh, you know. And so, yeah. Ezra's Ezra's young and immature, and um, being misled by by this. Um, in fact, and he knows it too. Because he he tells yeah, yeah, yeah. he tells uh, Kanan that my master wouldn't approve of that last part. The you have to practice their beliefs. Um, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's one thing to know about something, but it, it's a completely different different thing to to engage in in their their beliefs when you know them to be um, contrary to, to to what's right. Um, and uh, you know, so so Ezra is, but he's he knows enough. So he's culpable for sure, but he's still allowing himself to be swayed by, by Maul. You know, what's funny is that like he, 
you know, he probably thought like, oh, is this one of these doors? And then there was like, <laughs> like a bunch of them. He's like, oh, there's a, no- how many of these are there? You know, so it's. That's a it's, great analogy. Yeah. yeah for like, like you, you, you make that one, you're like, okay, I'm going to do this just this mm-hmm. one time. And yep. then there's more things mm-hmm. ahead of you in your path yeah. that you have to keep on, you know, getting further and further into your lie or whatever it is. So yeah, that's a great analogy. Exactly, yeah. It's, it's that same idea that, that if like, if you're on the road of, of living, you know, living the, the, the Catholic life as you should think of it as a straight, you know, road. And if at this point I'm going to say, okay, it's okay for me to, to give in just this once. And you turn off that road just a little bit. And the farther and farther you go down that, down that other path, you know, it continues to go farther and farther and farther away from the true path, mm-hmm. the good path, the moral path. Um, so is yeah, that, go ahead. Oh, is that kind of why Jesus says the path is wide that leads to De- I don't know what does he say yep. death or De- dest- destruction or destruction. you know ultimately hell yeah mm-hmm. and the, and the road uh, the road to life is is narrow um, mm. you know and and yeah it takes um, you know immense uh, discipline and grace and of course we couldn't do it without God's grace uh, but but to stay on that narrow path is the only one that leads to fulfillment so even though Ezra is trying to bend the rules a little bit it it's not going to turn out well for him mm-hmm. um and uh of course i think he's he's not mature enough to realize that and he's allowing mm-hmm. himself to be swayed by by maul um but i also want to point out there that uh in fact i want to i want to jump into this because this relates to that um anger itself is not wrong you know, and, and so, right. so Maul tells him to give in to his anger, but he wants to direct it towards something destructive, which is wrong. That's that's where you get into to wrath and and vengefulness. And those, of course, are, are immoral. But um, but the emotions themselves are completely normal and natural and built into who we are as humans. But it's how we respond to them that is either good or, or bad. So, you know. Anger can lead to righteous anger, which Jesus himself had when he chased the money changers out of the temple, you know, and it can lead us into doing something that will that will fix a, a bad situation or to 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 bring justice to a situation that needs it or to remedy something that that needs fixing. Um, but but the dark side is always, you know, use that to to be dominant, to be destructive, to be, you know, uh to be the most powerful and, 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 you know, hurt others. And, um, so I, I kind of, I throw that out there because it's at this point that, that, uh, Maul almost quotes the, the Sith code to Ezra. Um, he says, he, he tells Ezra, your passions give you strength and through strength, you gain power. You have seen it. You feel it. You must break your chains. And so I, I pulled up the actual Sith code, which um, originated <laughs> in <laughs> as one does. <laughs> right. you know, it's, it's on the shelf below all the, the Catholic theology. It's, you know, um, <laughs> but uh, it, it originated. I'm pretty sure it originated in Knights of the Old Republic one, um, but it was made canon in uh, the Altar of Mortis episode. So the Mortis arc in the Clone Wars. And the the Sith Code says the following. Peace is a lie. There is only passion. Through passion, I gain strength. 
Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. The force shall set me free. And so, so that's, that's the Sith way. That's, you know, and it's, it's passion leads to, to strength, to power, to victory, but it's all in that, that goal of, of being, um, dominant and, and ultimately fueled by, by pride. But then conversely, you have the Jedi code. So I pulled up the Jedi code, you know, (laughs) right, right next to the Sith code. Um, and the Jedi code says there is no emotion, there is peace. There is no ignorance, there is knowledge, there is no passion, there is serenity, there is no chaos, there is harmony, there is no death, there is the force. And so I just think that both of these are problematic. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I, it really bothers me that, that the Jedi Code tries to basically say you can't, out of, you can't act out of emotion you know, there is no emotion, there is no passion. Um, that's very problematic because it's a denial of the humanity of, of, of everyone or the, the personhood of the alien species or whoever. Um, and what that ends up doing is if you try to live out of that, you end up trying to just repress your emotions and ignore them and not handle them appropriately and deal with them appropriately. Um, where the emotions, you know, love and, and anger and, and all of those, um, how you deal with them determines, you know, whether or not you're on that narrow path or you're going off that path and doing something wrong and immoral. Um, and so I sort of look at the Sith Code and the Jedi Code as sort of both ends of the extreme and that the, uh, the balance uh, of the two should be uh, you know, what, what is, what is, what is good and moral. In fact, I think that's, uh, perhaps why Ahsoka maybe speaks to so many of us because she, she tries to, to navigate the path. Uh, she's not a Jedi and she makes that very, very clear, but she's not Sith. And so she's, she kind of wades into that, uh, area between the two. And I think that that's exactly where we need to be. We can't be on either extreme. And, um, and that's where we find problems. So. Yes. We could almost have like a whole nother episode. Right. That topic. Yeah. 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 Well, maybe we'll add that to our list of, of potential uh, future episodes too. So, Mm. um, I don't know if, if you guys had any random thoughts on that before we, uh, continue. Uh, just that, you know, that's probably my least favorite thing about star Wars, you know, that, that the Jedi code does say that and that basically the 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 main big jedi sort of promote that concept of getting rid of your emotions um which is not christian but it does come from other religious practices um that i'm sure george lucas pulled from Mm -hmm. so um yeah um but i think yeah as we get further into the canon, the Star Wars canon, we see sort of a development, as you were saying, like Ahsoka, but then also Rey and um, even Obi-Wan to a certain extent. Um, I, I would also throw Qui-Gon into that. Yes, yep. Qui-Gon as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that they try to, yeah, find that balance and be more uh, human in a way. Yep. Yeah, as you were saying. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think Star Wars, like, yeah, that's, that's something I've obviously never you can't fully agree with the Jedi code because of that and always turn me off. But Star Wars shows that no one can really live by those rules and, and it does, it just doesn't work. So, um, uh, at least, at least in, uh, 
in almost all Star Wars properties, you know, it shows like how it's it's not really practical or reasonable um, or even moral uh, to live that way. You know, you have to you have to be human, like you said, and and um, even though there's flaws that come with that, it's 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 better it's better than you know trying to abide by you know a code that that just goes against our nature. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the awesome things that Star Wars does is it does um, present both of those. And it does a really good job of presenting the problems with, with both of those, um, you know, and, um, Anakin, I mean, very specifically, Anakin was trying to live out the, the Jedi code, but he didn't have a healthy understanding and he didn't deal with his emotions appropriately, which led him to, you know, fear, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. And he falls into that and becomes Darth Vader because of that. Mm -hmm. But had the Jedi had a more holistic understanding and and philosophy regarding all of that, they could have actually helped him deal with the loss of his mom and, and the fear of losing those he loved. But instead it was all sort of, there is no passion, there is no emotion and he didn't have any healthy ways to, to understand that and deal with it. So, which leads him unfortunately to his fateful encounter with Ahsoka, which (laughs) we're, we're going towards. Um, but back back to the temple. Um, listeners, if you have any other uh, thoughts and opinions and uh, anything at all regarding the, the, the Jedi Code and the Sith Code, please, please uh, send us some feedback. And uh, we'd love to, to take that and, uh, and dive a little bit deeper into that perhaps in a future episode. So send us, send us your thoughts as well. Um, but back at the, the temple on Malachor, uh, Ezra and Maul uh, both make it into into the, the the center of this temple um and uh ezra at that point finally reveals his name to to maul <laughs> like why he okay he's because he's getting comfortable <laughs> trust. Yeah. yeah he yeah he's way too trusting um so but but then maul reveals his name and um and and another thing that was pointed out to me, it's at, at this point then that Maul actually pulls back his hood and his full face is revealed is when he reveals his name to to Ezra. And they so they they, they make it into that center of the temple. They encounter uh, the key. It's the, the Sith holocron that that Maul has been after. And it's where Ezra thinks he will find uh, the knowledge that he seeks. And between them and the holocron is this chasm. And Maul says that only someone willing to risk oblivion is worthy to claim it. And again, Ezra, why? He decides <laughs> to trust Maul and says that he will jump and that Maul just has to use the force to push him across the chasm. Again, perfect opportunity to have the helicopter lightsaber. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Even though this is not the time to use it, but uh, he could have, you know, instead of having to trust Maul <laughs> to yeah. do it, he could have just done it with a lightsaber. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> We're going to ignore that. We're yeah. going to just put that aside. <laughs> We're going to think about the principle of no, two people yeah, working to together. Yeah. <laughs> master and apprentice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, but it's kind of, it's, well, it's kind of backwards because Ezra says, throw me because he says his master always says that. So it's like, you know, he's sort of giving into this 
what what Maul really wants, which is an mm-hmm. apprentice, right? Mm-hmm. And so he wants to turn Ezra into his apprentice, and all of a sudden yep. now he's doing this thing that he would normally do with his master with Maul. Yep. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna bring this up later, but I'll bring it up now. Is I I totally was picking up like I looked at Maul like the cool rebellious uncle that you know as a kid you want to <laughs> oh, yeah. you want to hang out with because he's cool and he's you know edgy or whatever. But like your dad says no, and your dad is kind of the 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 the, the boring one and the one laying down the law. And um, I kind of picked up that between Ezra Maul and Kanan. Uh, that, you know, uh, Kanan is very much um, in, in the next episode, even they're talking and, and Kanan tries to point out to Ezra how Maul is manipulating him and, and Ezra just doesn't want to believe it. Um, you know, he wants to go hang out with with Maul. And uh, and so I just I just kind of saw that that dynamic happening and um, Maul. But but it, but again, it's it's Maul is totally just manipulating him. Telling him, telling him what's, what he wants to hear and um, trying, to, trying to sucker him in. Kanan, of course, knows that, but Ezra is too naive to, to see that. Uh, so we'll get to that. That's, that's still coming up. Um, but he does throw Ezra across the chasm, and uh, the trust was warranted for that little um, activity. So he retrieves the holocron, and it activates the temple, of course. Um, he is on this this stand that starts rising and um and of course he has to jump off of the stand and trust Maul again. And uh there was a point there where he he does end up jumping off the and into the chasm again and Maul catches him with the force. But it very much looked like to me that Maul caught the holocron with the force and that Ezra was just hanging on to the holocron. Mm-hmm. And for a split second, you almost think Maul is just going to let Ezra fall. Yep. But he doesn't. And Again, it, with the ring and Lord of the Rings. Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Kanan and, and Ahsoka uh, see the temple light up, and Kanan is very much the dad here. He goes, you know, why do I know how, why do I know Ezra's involved in this somehow? And, you know, and so they they go off in, in search of him. Uh, they make it to to the front of the temple and uh, they have the two other two other the two other inquisitors that we already know show up. So the, the fifth brother and the seventh sister and uh, Maul uses the holocron inside to open the doors of the temple and they they walk out front and they are met with this battle between uh Kane and Ahsoka and the inquisitors and that part of the two part finale ends with Maul cackling and summarizing the entire event as what fun <laughs> which was very appropriate of Maul to to say part 2 of course picks up right where that one left off and um they uh Ezra tries to convince uh Kanan to trust Maul even though uh Ahsoka and Kanan both sort of Ahsoka knows Maul but Kanan I don't think Kanan has ever met Maul at this point uh but probably knows of him um Maul decides to show Kanan his trustworthiness trustworthiness and and begins to fight the inquisitors and the Inquisitors realize that Maul must know about the artifact, which is the holocron. And so they all um, join in the fight. 
and the Inquisitors recognize that they are outmatched, and they retreat. And then we have an interaction between Ahsoka and Maul, and Ahsoka asks Maul what is what is what game he's playing, and he says that he's playing the End Game. And so this was this was interesting. I was um, doing some some reading on on people commenting on on these episodes, and uh, to to refresh your guys' memory, these episodes were released prior to any inkling that season seven of the clone wars was going to be done so um in in this particular scene ahsoka interacts with maul as if she knows him but we had never seen ahsoka encounter maul at all in the clone wars yet right Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. this was just an interesting kind of uh, dynamic to play out because Dave Filoni, during uh, one of one of the Q&A sessions that he was doing with these episodes, made reference to the Siege of Mandalore and that they had met in the Siege of Mandalore, even though it hadn't been shown yet on uh, on the Clone Wars. Uh, so we, of course, have seen them and are able to to kind of piece that all together. Yeah. So now we we can understand the knowing mm-hmm. tone that Ahsoka has um, when she's talking to Maul. And I remember the first time that I heard kind of that tone in her voice, I was like, well, how does she know him so well? Mm-hmm. You know, and now, of course, we know. Yep. Um, and the other thing, too, that I wanted to mention about that kind of ties to what we know now is that the Inquisitor or yeah, the Inquisitors kept calling Maul the shadow. Yep. In this episode and of course we know that maul is in charge of the shadow collective and we've seen a lot of that now so i guess i i mean i you wonder like how much of this stuff do they have everything like planned out in advance um so yeah just, I, it's cool how they do that i want to see like a visualization of pablo hidalgo's brain since he's part of the story group and yeah he is like a walking encyclopedia and probably can, yeah, visualize all of these things and the random, uh, the shadow uh, reference or, you know, all of these sorts of things. And I, I need someone to <laughs> spill it out for me and then I can follow it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there's, there's yeah, a ton there. Um, so uh, Maul uh, does have that. He, he, tries to convince Kanan and Ahsoka that he's he's trustworthy to work with them. The enemy of, of he is the enemy of their enemy. And so he has his own reasons for wanting the empire to fall, which uh, he kind of laid out in the siege of Mandalore that, you know, he, he felt cast aside and, and um, you know, wants uh, Vader and, and the emperor to, to be taken down and um, revenge there as well. And so Maul knows that Vader is coming. Um, he says that, you know, two Jedi and a part-timer, in reference to Ahsoka, <laughs> uh, Vader wouldn't be able to resist coming uh, for them. And uh, Ezra continues to argue that they should trust Maul, um, shows them the holocron, and, and uh, Ahsoka points out that, that no Jedi can unlock it. But Maul says that the holocron can still unlock the temple by placing it in the obelisk at, obelisk at the top of the temple. and that. Of course, it'll unlock the ancient knowledge of the Sith, which is still completely bogus. Well, not completely. I yeah, mean, because true. when they do end up unlocking it, then you hear that Mother Talzin voice, you know, mm-hmm. that says knowledge is power, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so he's kind of telling half truths yeah. at this point. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, did you notice um, that the voice of the presence, once he does put the, the holocron in, that's the same uh, actor who does the voice of Ventress? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, cool. um, so, so there's, there's some... Uh, I think Filoni was even talking about how there's, there's certain voices that might kind of echo through the eons of, of the Sith or, um, you know, so, so that particular voice, uh, maybe coincidental, maybe not was, was an embodiment of, of the dark side there. Um, so they, uh, decide, well, Kanan wants to leave. Ezra wants to stay, of course, and Maul manages to, to convince the group to stay because it's their best chance of, of defeating Vader and, uh, the Inquisitors. And so Kanan relates, uh, relents and they decide to stay and, and help. So they begin to, to head up, lead up the temp, lead up to the top of the temple. Um, the Inquisitors spy on them and realize that they have the holocron and the eighth brother kind of, again, goes impulsively to go and to try to retrieve it. And then we have another real cool rule of two sort of situation happening on the side of the temple because Maul brings them to this lift that can only carry two at a time. And, um, and it was that, that was funny because Ezra and Maul get onto the lift and Kanan looks at Maul and says, you know, these two come, come as a set and mm. asks Ahsoka if she's okay, uh, riding up with grandpa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and it's on the lift there that I was mentioning earlier that Kanan tries to tell Ezra how Maul is manipulating him and Ezra, uh, just feels that Kanan doesn't trust him to make decisions for himself. And we get foreshadowing too, with Ezra saying, Maul sees what I could be. You don't. Mm. So it's this concept that Kanan can't see something. Of course we know what happens later on. That's nice catch. Yeah. I, yeah. That was such a tragic moment uh but we'll get to it because there's more to say there um so once they get to the top the eighth brother shows up and almost knocks ezra off the side of the temple um there's a lot of almost falling off or actually indeed falling off of this temple um but ezra is saved as maul arrives and and pushes the eighth brother off the edge of the temple what is it with star wars and like high ledges and big falls (laughs) and chasms and Super weapons. Mm-hmm. It's all it's all here. Um the high ground. <laughs> <laughs> True. Oh. Uh, so the encounter with that particular Inquisitor lets Maul know that the Inquisitors Inquisitors are on to them and so they decide to split up. Splitting up is never a good idea. Why split up? But they do. Um but Maul goes with Ezra, and this was um, a, a growing point, I think, for Kanan, because uh, he's talking to Ahsoka a little bit about it, and Ahsoka says, you know, they'll be fine, and Kanan asks, how do you know? And Ahsoka says, because you taught him. And Kanan is able to let Ezra go, trusting that he will follow his teaching and do the right thing. So that was a, that was a good character moment for, for Kanan. Even though we all know that Ezra is still immature and naive and we're not sure how he's going to act. So, Um, because meanwhile, as Maul and Ezra are going up, he continues to try to teach him how to act like a Sith. He tells him that the dark side fights without mercy, without remorse. And in order to be victorious, he has to find that strength within him, which is totally wrong. 
fighting without mercy, without remorse is not strength. But that's what Maul is pointing out as strength. And he also puts the emphasis on you. Mm-hmm. You know, he, the word you is constantly, it's all about you, you know, your gift and you were given this and your strength and your power. And so, yeah, you see that, um, that contrast between the dark side and the light side where the light side is always concerned about the other, mm-hmm. right. And, and protecting and defending. Whereas the dark side is about me and what I want and having power for myself. Mm-hmm. And then he, he uses those exact same, uh, sorts of attitudes of the dark side uh when the seventh sister shows up and uh he uses the force choke hold on her and encourages ezra to kill her uh in his anger and ezra thankfully hesitates and doesn't and then maul immediately throws his lightsaber at her killing her and then he uses that moment even though ezra failed in striking her down in anger Maul then uses that moment to tell Ezra that if he hesitates like that again, it could cost him his life, and then he drives it further, or the life of his friends. Again, pointing Ezra down that road of fear of losing his friends, which will lead him down that road of of giving into his anger and um, taking the power for himself, which is actually what would cause him to lose his friends, but that's not what Maul is telling him. So they uh, approach the top and Maul definitely senses Vader's approach um, and knows that time is running out. And so Ezra is sent to the top to put the holocron in while Maul goes to fight the remaining Inquisitors. And he's pretty nimble for an old guy because he he manages to take out both the fifth brother and uh, the he damages the eighth brother's lightsaber. And this is the one downfall to the helicopter lightsabers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he tries to escape and it and it breaks and he plummets uh, to his his death. We assume. And then it's at that exact moment that that Maul uh, refer uh, so Kanan and and Ahsoka I think are both there. I know Kanan at least is there, but Maul then explicitly refers to Ezra as his apprentice. And turns on Kanan and strikes him and blinds him. What was your guys' reaction to that? Total surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it changes Kanan's whole character from this point on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I remember watching it the first time. Um, I was like, yeah, Rebels has not really, up to that point, you know, delved into this type of territory, like you mentioned in the beginning, where there's such a turn for a character. And uh, we see turns for multiple characters, uh, you know, in, in, in these episodes. Um, and, uh, yeah, shocking is the word for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's a really big jump, and uh, it kind of sets a new precedent, you know, for the show moving forward and, uh, and what to expect from it and what what not to expect. Right. So, yep. uh, yeah, it was, it was a, yeah, it was a big deal. And, and, and watching it again, um, you know, brought back a lot of those same, uh, those same feelings and, uh, and, and, and realizing how far star Wars has, has come, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, as far as their animated, you know, series are concerned and, and how they've kind of risen up to the quality and, and arguably even higher quality than a lot of the films. So uh, it's uh, uh, I, I think th- these these the season finale of season two um, 
is, is kind of one of the, the kind of one of the, the things you can point to to where Star Wars kind of achieved that. I think from a from a storytelling perspective, it was it was a great thing to do um, mm-hmm. because I mean we're you you know you know that Rebels uh, I think we knew that season three was already coming, and so you just you don't expect the main characters to get killed off. But then if you know that none of the main characters are going to die, where's the stakes? Mm-hmm. And so this really elevated the stakes to know that, okay, Kanan's not dead, but he is going to be permanently blinded and maimed because of this. And that, yeah, has drastic consequences uh, to, to how he has, how he approaches everything. Um, so I, yeah, I remember when I first watched it, I was, I was very sad. Uh, because I I didn't want Kanan to be blind, but it it definitely added some some great ways for his character to grow, which was which was really cool to see for the next two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is able to, of course, rely on his Jedi training because he was a Padawan in the temple, and they trained you know to to block the 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 little droid blaster bolts blinded. And so he was able to to rely on his his use of of the force, uh, to of course fight Darth Maul, and and defeat him. So he manages to pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that was a very intentional. That it was very clear that he could see more clearly when he totally was dependent on the force mm-hmm. rather than on himself. And um, informed by, you know, distractions. Um, And that kind of gives a launching pad to all the character development that he goes through in the next, you know, couple seasons um, because of just, yeah, his his reliance on the force now. Mm -hmm. Kanan's not one to to trifle with. So um, before, though, he defeats Maul. Uh, he does, Maul does reveal to him that, that, that Ezra is activating the temple, which is a battle station in order that Maul can exact his revenge on, on his enemies. Uh, so of course it's a super weapon and it's star Wars and it's (laughs) Sith, you know, (laughs) um, Ezra does reach the top. He puts the holocron in the obelisk, and that's when we have the the force presence, um, you know, talking to him and and telling him uh, that that knowledge is power. And once that happens, uh, this lightning bolt lights up the sky. Again, I had flashbacks to Exegol, and the temple is is uh, beginning to be activated, and. Um, the presence tells tells Ezra that he has the power to destroy life now, mm-hmm. which is a very scary. <laughs> Freaks thing. him out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why well, I didn't sign up for this? <laughs> he just wanted knowledge, but he didn't realize that that knowledge is power, and power is the power to destroy life. Um. So he has the the good sense to to recognize that this is not not where he is called to go and not what he should do. Um, and finally admits that Maul has tricked them. And um, he tries to go back to tell Kanan and Ahsoka that, but somebody much more menacing arrives. Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Did, did you guys find it a bit um, 
all I could think of was prideful and showing off that Darth Vader arrives by standing on top of his <laughs> TIE fighter as it descends. Like the epitome I mean, of, of pride. It was cool. As you said, Star Wars <laughs> yeah. is whimsical, right? Yeah. It was, that was very, that was, that was a, how else could he make such an impressive <laughs> entrance? You know, he didn't have all of his stormtroopers with him. Mm -hmm. So just fly out of the sky like that. <laughs> yeah. It kind of, it kind of remind, reminded me of, uh, uh, at the end of Rogue One when he's, uh, you know, standing at the, uh, you know, at the door of the, the exit door of the, the ship, yeah. and, you know, any normal person would probably would have just flown off and <laughs> yeah. into the nothingness of space. But, you know, Darth Vader just kind of walked up to it and gave a menacing look, you know, at the ship. So it kind of reminded me of that exit, you know, this whole entrance. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's Darth Vader uh, in his prime, if you can say that. Mm -hmm. I mean, like the Rogue One scene yeah. right before that, he, I was terrified of Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. And and this is definitely Darth Vader prior to that. So he would have been in, you know, tip top shape as he could with with um, all of the, the the mechanics that he had. Um, so he encounters Ezra, and Ezra is so <laughs> cocky and arrogant. Uh, Darth Vader asks him, you know, he says, ask him how he unlocked the secrets of the temple. And Ezra just responds with, you're smart, figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah. I would have been terrified to say something like that to Darth Vader. Like that would have just, you know, I would have signed my own death warrant. Um, you know, and then he's so on point for Ezra, it, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it totally is. Yeah. He tell he tells Darth Vader that he's in, he's not scared of him, and then Darth Vader says that okay, you will die braver than most, and uh, <laughs> Vader destroys Ezra's lightsaber, um, that cool uh, blaster lightsaber combo. Mm -hmm. um, but before Vader can fully strike him down, we have the fated encounter with Ahsoka. It was foretold you would be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was like. Who foretold yeah. that? <laughs> Good question. You just have to assume Palpatine? everything's been foretold. <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, fans, I did wonder. The fans foretold it. Yes. <laughs> and the yes. fans did. Yes. That is the most accurate statement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you guys think of this encounter? Wow. Uh, I think, you know, it was interesting, especially the way it all ended. Um, you know, I, well, I know we're about to get to the end, the very end of this episode. Um, mm -hmm. I think you know it was at the it was at the same time like very uh, you know satisfying and 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 epic and you know what everything you'd want it to be, but also you know there was a level of like what the heck happened? You know, <laughs> like mm -hmm. we still there's still so much mystery shrouded around. Like uh, you know I, we know up to this point, like in the movies, like. You know Darth Vader. Uh, we know his whole arc with his redemption, and and, and we know at this point he was pretty, he was far gone. You know, but that little glimpse that we get, you know, and and the little the the encounters and the dialogue between them, it, it shows a side of Darth Vader that we've never seen uh, up to that point. Um, so that was really, uh, you know, an amazing thing to to see, and and uh, and yeah, it was it's. Watching it again, it's like, 
It's like, well, I, it's kind of, you know, c- compared to the, to the series finale of Clone Wars, you know, it's like, there's still, there's so much there and, and, and so much that there isn't that mm-hmm. we don't actually see, uh, especially what's going on in their, in their brains and <laughs> in their hearts. Yeah. Um, it's kind of just, uh, we're, we're kind of just observers, you know? Um, and so are the other characters like, uh, like Ezra has no idea the history <laughs> that they have and that he's just kind of laying there and, you know, we're kind of just like, like, like him, you know, we're just kind of observing them and, and uh, it, it was, but all in all, it was, it was great. And it, it was everything I hoped it would be and more. Yeah. Dave Filoni said he played out this scene in his head for 10 years hmm. before, before this point. And I believe it <laughs> because yeah. that's why we, Go back and watch it over and over again. I know when this first came out, I was just obsessed with this <laughs> fight scene and the yeah. well, the whole encounter. Just watching it over and over again. Well, and it's and it's so cool to. Um, I mean, you, you see you see the emotions, um, especially especially in Ahsoka, uh, because she she is convinced. I think she's convinced herself again that that like Anakin isn't the one behind the mask because he would never be as vile as as darth vader was being and uh and again well and so vader vader tells her that anakin skywalker was weak and that he destroyed him and ahsoka vows to avenge his death and that's where we get the you know revenge is not the jedi way and then ahsoka adamantly saying i am no jedi mm-hmm. and and the, their fight is really impressive i mean Ahsoka's a lot more. Well, hold on, hold oh, on. Go ahead. I, I I can't let this slide. So <laughs> I am no Jedi is like a direct Lord of the Rings parallel. Okay, because because if you're not familiar with Lord of the Rings, there's this character, a female character called Eowyn, who um mm. who who faces the Witch King, who is like the worst that guy evil villain that you could encounter and he says no man can kill me and she pulls Hmm. off her helmet and says i am no man so this is exactly like a direct parallel to (laughs) that those are awesome connections that i never would have picked up on (laughs) it's awesome yeah there's so much here um the fight scene ahsoka Mm -hmm. is a lot more nimble than than vader uh, but what's what's awesome is we we never see her uh, in distress or she I mean, she holds her own very, very well, yeah. um, you know, throughout that entire fight. Um, and uh, she force pushes Darth Vader. Like, yeah. That was, <laughs> I yeah. can't imagine anyone ever doing that. Uh, that was that was that was pretty epic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just I wonder if if uh, if she had picked up any of um, Anakin's fighting style in that in that fight or not. Um, because she's still got to be playing that out in her mind. She, she, she suspects it's Anakin, but I think she's convinced herself it's not. Um, but, but then at, at one point, uh, as they're fighting, Vader pushes Ahsoka off the edge of the, of the temple, of course. Um, and meanwhile, Kanan and Ezra managed to, to remove the holocron. They have to do it together. Ezra couldn't do it by himself. A master and an apprentice were needed, and Kanan shows up and um, is able to help Ezra uh, pull the holocron so that way uh, Vader can't use the, the battle station. And they manage to, to limp back towards uh, the Phantom to, to leave. And Vader... I thought also, I just want to say it was, it was really cute. 
having Chopper walk him over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a cool uh that was a cool <laughs> entrance for him. Even even though he was he was able to defeat Maul without any help, but he needed Chopper to walk yeah. over to Ezra. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Little little bit of uh the compassion of Chopper. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so they're they're trying to to get back to the Phantom. Vader is uh trying to to pull the holocron back from Ezra's grasp. And then we have the the final confronta- confrontation between Ahsoka, who who jumps in, force pushes Ezra back to the Phantom to help to let them escape, and uh, she breaks a part of Vader's helmet, revealing his face, part of his face. And we get Matt Lanter, uh, his voice is as Anakin, as he says Ahsoka, and it's it's at that moment that Ahsoka does realize that it's indeed Anakin uh, behind the mask. And she vows to Anakin that she won't leave him, not this time. And Vader responds with the most heartless response ever. Then you will die. Mm. Um, this breaks your heart when you see that. And when you see her face as she hears him say her name, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like it's it reminds me of Mary, the story of Mary Magdalene hearing her name called by Jesus after he has died and rose again, mm-hmm. except this is like a, a twisted version of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there, there, there's so much history, so much emotion, so much, um, shared life between the two of them. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly contrary to what Ahsoka would have hoped for. And the temple closes, leaving Vader and Ahsoka inside and the temple explodes with this kind of force lightning. And Kanan and Ezra leave the planet uh, with the holocron and without Ahsoka, of course, and they, they make it back to the rebel base where the rest of the, the crew is waiting and, and it's very, very somber. And, um, you know, Kanan is, is blind, of course, now and, and uh, no words are spoken, but you can feel the, the sorrow that's in the air because uh, the assumption is that Ahsoka is, has been killed. Um, we see Maul leaving Malachor in the Inquisitor's TIE Fighter, so we will see him another day. Wheezing. Oh, didn't catch that, yeah. but okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Vader walks out of the temple and we see the, the, the Morai. Am I saying that right? Uh, the, Mor- I yeah. think Morai is the name. Okay. It, I think it's called a Convor. Okay. Yeah, that's the type right. Of, the type of creature is a Convor. Yeah, and the name yeah. of yeah, the name of that particular one is Morai. Yeah, that's um, right. and that that particular one is very connected to Ahsoka. So we've seen it um, at the end of the Clone Wars, and I think we've seen it elsewhere as well. But it's always in connection to Ahsoka. Um, and then the very end scene ends with uh, Ezra holding on to the the Sith holocron, and it opens for him. And we found earlier, or we heard earlier in the episode, that only a Sith can open the holocron. <laughs> dun 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 so and i remember how freaked out everybody was after seeing that yeah <laughs> i mean and they the internet was <laughs> uh, yeah they'd been teasing ezra's like fall to the dark side i think leading all the way up into that and then so that that does play out a little bit into the into season three but not nearly as drastically as as what we feared it could be and it's kind of oh, yeah. nuts too, because at the end of this, um, so when 
Ezra sees Ahsoka and Vader fighting, he says, oh, I need a lot more training. And so you think like, oh, okay, he finally gets it. And then, you know, he's like crying on the ship as they're leaving. And you think like, okay, penitent tears, like he, he feels bad for everything. And then you see him opening a Sith yeah. holocron at the end. <laughs> well, and, and he could, um, I mean, we don't really know exactly what's going on through his mind, but, but if he would have been listening to the voice of Maul, he could be reacting out of that fear of, of losing Kanan um, or any other member of the crew and thinking that, yeah, he has to have the, the end justify the means. Yeah, I think he, you know, he really connected with Maul, you know, um, more than maybe they even let on. You know, Ezra kind of, you know, up, up until that final scene, like you, like you mentioned, Angela, we thought like, oh, he kind of came away you know, unscathed, not really influenced too much, but, you know, everything how, you know, how Maul mentioned how he came from a torn, you know, background and, mm-hmm. and how Ezra did as well. And, and he related to that and, and the sort of, uh, you know, power that he saw that came with anger and revenge, um, especially for saving loved ones, you know, and that's, I think that really appealed to him. And, um, and and the thing with Maul, which is interesting, and, you know, I'd like to hear what you guys th- think about this is, you know, I think the difference between a guy like Maul and, and like, the Emperor, you know, uh, as far as their approach to uh, luring people into the dark side, is I think Maul is a little more genuine. I think uh, as far as, like, yeah, he's selfish and he's ultimately, he just wants what he wants, but um, I think Maul actually w- would have cared for Ezra, like, in, in, in a somewhat, you know, awful way, but I think he would genuinely care for him as, as, a, as an apprentice, um, even though it would be in, as a Sith. But uh, as far as the Emperor, though, I think he just lures people in for total selfish reasons and for ultimate power. Uh, you know, he'll tease you with, with all these things, with unlimited power, but I think, uh, I think with Maul, and and we see hints of that in this episode um, is really in trusting Ezra and, and really letting him, you know, be like, you know, trying to feel him out and, and, and kind of just letting him be his own, his own man in a way. Um, Cause uh, you know, the example of that is like letting Ezra go up with the Holocron himself. Um, mm-hmm. Even though Maul was probably confident that he would get back in time, you know, he he tells Ezra like go seek the knowledge that you find you know and uh, uh, he, at that point it's like you know it, it didn't totally mean that Maul would get back to him so uh, I think that's I thought that was interesting just thinking about that how there there's that big difference between Maul now now that he's not tied to the Empire anymore you know that even though he's all about he's still a Sith and using the dark dark side powers he, he I think he has more of an emotional edge to him. I think we see more of uh, Maul's humanity in general. Yeah. Um, so yes, he's broken, um, you know, and and he's reacting out of that, and he's reacting out of the feelings of being cast aside, and he's he's yeah out for revenge. But um, you know, but but he had he had a family, um, you know, uh, on Dathomir, and and I mean, so we we have. I I I, I would definitely agree with you. I, I think. I think Maul's ability to care, even if it was a bit twisted, 
is a lot more than the emperor's ability to care because the emperor, all that we see of him, and um, I don't know, uh, I don't know if there's any canon material like pre episode one, but even of kind of his his own past. But all that we see of Emperor Palpatine is his absolute and total manipulation. Um, the Clone Wars, he's manipulating oh, yeah. both sides, and he doesn't care because it's serving his needs. Where Darth Maul, we at least we can we can we can relate to him a little bit easier because we can see his humanity and his brokenness and, and understand why he's doing what he's doing and, and can um, get inside his head a little bit easier than the emperor. So um, I, yeah, I would, I would agree with you. Yeah. And I would just say that um, ultimately star Wars started off as a fairy tale and that mm-hmm. the emperor is very much kind of the big boss main villain character and you're really not going to get i don't think we're ever going to get a backstory for palpatine just because of that Mm -hmm. because you don't really need that um and for exactly the reasons that you mentioned yeah he's he's an embodiment of the dark side any other final comments that you guys that we missed that you guys want to share before we wrap up um nope okay awesome couple episodes yeah yeah this is this is quite the epic finale um so listeners of course uh definitely let us know what you what you thought of these episodes um and give us give us feedback and we'll uh try to uh share those on the show and and um you know if you have any other uh thoughts opinions on the the jedi code and the sith code let us know that too because we'll try to to do a, a podcast on that in the future as well um you can email us or comment on our Facebook or Twitter page to, to give us the, any feedback you have. Our email is starwars at sqpn.com, and you can find StarQuest on Facebook at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, and on Twitter at sqpn. And so now, like always, we would like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Wars, including this week... Susan P, David S, Jared H, James M, and Richard V. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue this amazing podcast and all the other awesome podcasts that we create here at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Also, of course, please be sure to subscribe to the show, whether it's an Apple podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. Just be sure to click the bell to receive notifications and be sure to leave us a review um, because that lets more people uh, see our podcasts and we can grow our audience. So please be sure to do that as well. You can also find all our previous episodes of The Secrets of Star Wars at sqpn.com slash Star Wars. And we will be back in two weeks where we will continue uh, to look at Star Wars Rebels and we will be seeing more of Rex this time. And we're going to be reviewing Season 3, Episode 6, The Last Battle. So until then, Andrew Hermes, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Star Wars. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Father. Absolutely. And Angela, thanks for joining us tonight as well. It was great to be here. And once again, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. <laughs>